Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Welcome, and welcome. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. And welcome. It is Devious Motives. This is episode number eight of season number three. It is wonderful to be here with each and every one of you uh, looking at the big stories uh, that are that are happening in a, in a lot of different ways. Uh, overnight, we had an interview take place. With uh, Jake Tapper, the president of the United States, hit a bunch of different things. It absolutely ignored the border issue, uh, which I, I, I guess you kind of had to ignore that issue if you were the president of the United States. Because let's be honest, let's be serious about this. The border is a you-know-what disaster. It is a complete and total disaster of epic proportions. Uh, I don't know what the policy is supposed to be. I don't know. The way out for this, I think it's uh, catastrophic what we're dealing with here, um, and and it'll only be known once we have a, a clearer picture of how many people have actually gotten into the country in an illegal fashion. Um, I I don't believe it's more than fifteen percent that are legitimate refugees at most. I think it's probably closer to seven percent that are actual refugees that are actually trying to seek uh, refuge from persecution. Uh, all that sort of stuff. But uh, we'll we'll wait and see what ends up happening. Uh, Jake Tapper uh, doing that interview with the uh, president of the United States on CNN for their big rebooted uh, lineup. asked the tough question, uh, uh, President Biden, be honest, are you too old to be president of the United States at 80? Well, they're concerned about whether or not I can get anything done. Look what I've gotten done. Name me a president in recent history that's gotten as much done as I have in the first two years. Not a joke. You may not like what I got done, but the vast majority of the American people do like what I got done. And so I just, it's, it's a matter of, can you do the job? And I believe I can do the job. I've been able to do the job. I've gotten more done. I got the inflation reduction. I got all these pieces of legislation passed. And I ran on that. I said this is what I was going to do. And I'm still getting it done. We've got, you know, dealing with, you know, making sure the veterans get compensated for the for burn pits, the burn pits, making sure that we're in a situation where we finally have action on guns. And by the way, I'm going to get an assault weapons ban before this is over. I'm going to get that again. Not a joke. And watch. And so I just think there's a you know, it's a matter of. Has anybody done more in the first two years of their administration for a guy who was they've been saying this about my age for since I began to run. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, would you, you come work out with me in the morning? Oh, uh, yeah. Come, come work out with me in the morning, uh, Jake. Uh, and you can see uh, how how solid I am. It's important to listen to what that president is saying. If you were to look at him speaking that way and he were a foreign leader, he wasn't the president of the United States. He was a foreign leader. Um you, you would say this is a man with a tenuous grip on the realities of the politics in America today. If he were 
the president of the United States, which he is, and you were living in uh, Monaco or you were living in Portugal or you were living in Singapore and you were looking at the United States and the direction we're taking, you would you'd look at him and your first reaction would be, wow, he um, he doesn't have a lot of bullets left in the uh, in the gun in terms of trying to affect policy around the world. He, he talked about how he's going to get even with the Saudis. He's going to get even with Putin. Or maybe not get even. I guess that, that that's too much of a street term, something that Corn Pop would have said. But he's a, a guy who uh, says there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. Okay, there's going to be consequences. What are the consequences going to be? Uh, we still have 399 oil coming down the pike. You've still got 561 diesel coming down the pike. This is a disaster because a lot of this is, let's be honest, being driven in by the, um, the, the notions he has about things like the climate deal. Uh, he He's governing as president like a man who understands he doesn't have much time left to affect the change he wants. And rather than going out and taking one specific thing, I don't know what it would be, but you could say one specific thing, um, and making that his thing, he does a bunch of things poorly. Uh, I don't know anybody who's happy with the inflation. I don't know anybody who's happy with our economy. I don't know anybody who's happy with what it is that's going on in the streets of our country. And I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We all know that this country is dealing with some very serious challenges. And and this is not a man who's going to be able to, to fix that. But here, let me, let me help the president out because I'm a bipartisan kind of guy sometimes, right? Let me help out the president of the United States. The president of the United States could do one big thing if he wanted to. Yesterday, Jake Tapper asked the president about Hunter Biden and his issues. And I'm not going to make fun of a man's addiction because uh, I think, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish addiction on my worst enemy in many ways. Uh, I, can't, I can't know fully what that must be like, but it's got to be terrible. It's got to be horrible for the parent and for uh, the child or the adult child. And, and so here is, here, here is Joe Biden talking about how proud he is of his son, Hunter Biden. I, I'm, I'm proud of my son. This is a kid who got, uh, not a kid, he's a grown man. He got uh, hooked on, uh, uh, like many families have had happen, hooked on drugs. Uh, he's overcome that. He's established a new life. He is, um, uh, I'm confident that he is, what he says and does are consistent with what happens. Um, and, uh, for example, he wrote a book about his problems and was straightforward about it. I'm proud of him. He came along and said, by the way, this thing about a gun, I didn't know anything about it, but turns out that when he made my application to purchase a, a gun, what happened was he said, I guess you get asked, I don't guess, you get asked the question, are you on drugs, you use drugs? He said no. And he wrote about saying no in right. his book. So I, 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 I have great confidence in my son. I love him. And uh, he's on a straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple of years oh. now. Okay, I don't expect him to say anything else other than that he loves his son. Apparently, he really loved his son. He had him working with the Bobolinsky guys. But I don't want to take a cheap political shot on the issue of addiction. So I think the issue of addiction is a serious issue. And it's not something to, to, to make a joke about. And you do see oftentimes these politicians having issues with, with substance, substance abuse. Uh, I think Bill Clinton uh, certainly uh, uh, made his... Uh, made his interest in marijuana pretty clear. 
I think Ted Kennedy uh, and, and of course, uh, don't forget some of the cavalcade of uh, other senators like Chris Dodd, who have had uh, ugly uh, times like that. But on the Biden issue itself, on the Hunter Biden issue itself, I said Joe Biden could grab one big thing and make that his thing. He has a high profile son who was a drug addict who is in, I guess, recovery now. I mean, I, I know you never really totally cured. Uh, you just got to fight that fight every day. But that could be an issue he could spearhead. And I'm shocked that he and his wife, the first lady, don't make that an issue. It's no secret that there is drug abuse in their family. And not just with Hunter. It, 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 this, this is an issue of huge import in our country. And yet he silos this as a personal family issue. And I think that's a big mistake. I'm not, I'm not being a partisan here. I'm not being a, a, a dishonest broker on, on this podcast here. I think that is a huge mistake he makes because you've got a fentanyl crisis. You've got opioids. You've got overdoses. You've got cartels. You've got all of that. And you should make that your mission, your life's work, Mr. President, to come out and say, I'm going to spearhead this as a thing, recovery, uh, treatment, whatever it is, whatever it is, do that. You'd have a lot of credibility. Instead, he told you five minutes ago that I'm going to get that assault weapons ban uh, renewed, man. I'm going to get that. And he's talking about his son being irresponsible with firearm ownership. He just thinks he can silo this. And I think this is a huge mistake. I think this is a huge, massive, tremendous mistake. Maybe you disagree. Brett at BrettWinterbull.com. Brett at BrettWinterbull.com. In a matter of moments, we're going to have Paul Kangor join us. It's going to be a long conversation, not, not a negative way, but a, a long, deep conversation about Marxism, Karl Marx, the devil, the spirituality involved in all of this sort of stuff that's going on in our country, and our culture. I think it's hugely important. And the, one of the key takeaways I want to preview for you in this conversation is this. We have got to talk to our kids about the dangers of drugs. We have got to talk to our kids about the dangers of socialism and especially Marxism, because there are people trying to groom your kids to surrender the American dream. And only you, you, you have the ability to show them how dangerous a pathway this is. It isn't just about drugs. It's about destruction of the spirit and it's about destruction of our nation's future. Stick around. It's going to be awesome. I love Paul Kangor. He's always a joy to speak with. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to Devious Moments. Paul Kangor, I am so happy that you're joining us here uh, on the show uh, today. You've got this book that came out. It was a couple of years ago, The Devil and Karl Marx. And it got me thinking uh, about that book, but also about the broader fight that we've got underway in this country. It feels to me that with this election and the way the battle lines have been drawn, I, I know it's a policy debate. I know it's an ethos debate. I know it's all of that. But, man, it feels like... There's a supernatural uh, element to all of this that we're watching. It does feel like we're in the battle uh, of our lifetime 
here in this country for, for either freedom to triumph or, or tyranny to take root. Your, your, your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, thanks, Brett. Good to be with you again and the people of Charlotte. It's uh, such a great city. The, uh, yeah, you know, Ronald Reagan said, in fact, he said this to in a, in a 1984 address to the Irish National Parliament, of all things. He said the battle that we're in is not just the battle of economics and rockets, but, but it's a spiritual battle. And, and he was talking back then about the battle against atheistic Soviet communism. So that was one year after he gave the evil empire speech, where he sought to you know, remoralize the conflict between the, the West and the East. And, and Reagan in that speech rejected something called moral equivalency, this idea by people on the left, the secular left, that, that oh, both sides, are, both, both sides are responsible for the Cold War, right? The United <laughs> States is just as guilty as the USSR. And Reagan said, that's a bunch of rubbish. He said, we in the United States, we certainly have our problems. And Reagan in the evil, evil Empire speech, people don't know this, Brett, but he called out racism, anti-Semitism, bigotry. And he called out all of that stuff, slavery, the sins in the United States. Right. He said, but when it comes to what's going on in the modern world, right, our system is far superior to the Soviet system. So, so he understood that back then. The one thing Reagan used to say, Brett, that's really struck me now and kind of come back to haunt me, to be honest, is, is that... He had great faith in the American people and the common sense of the American people, the faith of the American people. In fact, in his farewell address in 1989, he told young people, he said, if your parents at the dinner table aren't teaching you what it really means to be an American, call them on it, nail them on it, right? But I, I think of that, you know, that was true in 1989, but here in 2022, I, I mean, so many Americans don't know what it be, means to be an American. So many parents are walking along with the secular progressives redefining America, right? Um, you know, what, what, what Barack Obama called for in 2008, a fundamental transformation of the United States of America. Not only can they not only agree on what America is, they can't agree on what gender they are, 100 different gender options. So really what we face in America today, some you know, four decades after Reagan came in and was saying those things, you know, we, we face kind of you know, more of an internal enemy than anything else. And I don't want to say that I think secular progressives are the enemy. I, you know, it's too strong of a language. Right. But, but, that, but that philosophy is, is what we need to be fighting against. And you know, we, we, it, being an American means something. You know, it, 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 Reagan said, you know, the, the very idea of, of America, America is less of a place than an idea. It's an idea. So what is that? What does it mean? Well, we need to get back to the roots of that. And um, elections like this one coming up in midterm 2022 are going to go a long way to helping to, uh, to clarify that. One of the things that is striking to me is you and I are both certainly old enough to remember the, the, the heavy days of the Cold War. We know what that threat looked like. We knew the fear of going to bed and would there be a, would there be a, a, you know, a, a nuclear strike coming into the United States or Europe. And our parents, uh, unless they were far pinko commie leftists, uh, our parents <laughs> were very open about what went on in the Soviet Union, the dangers of the Soviet Union. They knew people 
no matter where you lived, you knew people that were either uh, uh, folks that had left as refugees from the Eastern uh, Bloc or, or, or you, you knew people who had experience in that Cold War fight. They were very honest and open about that. And they said, you know, look, you're, you're free. You're in America. You've got opportunity for all this stuff. The people behind that wall do not have that opportunity. Here's the question I have for you, though. Um, it seems like in the intervening 25 years, 30 years, We've decided to shield our children from the brutality and the evil of what Marxism is, what socialism is, what communism is and was. And, and so we have all of these professors and school boards and teachers taking the opportunity to to pounce on that ignorance and teach our kids American history through a what I think is a really demented lens in many ways, a made up lens in certain ways. Um should we be the people as parents? I have a couple of uh, teenagers and college kids. It, should we be as parents, the people teaching our kids, let them read, go ahead and read Marx, go ahead and, and, and read Das Kapital, read that. Teach them through our lens why this is such an evil ideology that's now being soft soaped at every college and university with 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 rare exception around this country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have to because the, the colleges are not, right? The educational institutions are not. And it's often not a matter of what the kids are being taught, but indeed what they're not being taught. Right. Yeah, I gave, uh, I gave a talk back in, I guess it would have been May to um, April or May to a very, very elite college in, in my home state of Pennsylvania. I won't say what it is. Very, very, very expensive place. And, and I spoke on Karl Marx and Marxism. And it was, um, it, was stu- it was stuff from, from that book, The Devil and Karl Marx. I, I laid out what Karl Marx believed about religion, about race, about religion, about evolution, mm-hmm. his use of the N-word, his anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And then I went through all of his economic ideas, philosophical ideas. And I had two students at the end of the, the, at the, end of the lecture came up to me, and they just said, you know, we didn't know what to expect when we came in here, but we are just Lord by what we heard. They, they had just taken a course on Marxism at that college, which was taught by two Marxist economic professors, and they said, we never heard any of them. And, 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 they, and they said, what, it, it, what really bothered them was I had long quotes on PowerPoint slides, Brett, that yep. were taken you know, verbatim from the Communist Manifesto. And they said, would you believe that for the course, not only do we need, not even have to buy we never even opened once, cracked open photocopies or anything of anything from the Communist Manifesto. Wow. And I said, "Well, I'm, I'm sure you could, because if because if you're if you're communist professors once you once you guys to be communists, he's not going to share Marx's ideas on communism with you because you'll reject them. <laughs> you'll realize you'll realize right right away what a bunch of nonsense it is. Now, a good question is." Why in the world would these professors be, be Marxist? I mean, right. yeah, that's so bizarro. I've never been able to explain that one. But, but most people with common sense, and especially young people, if you just simply introduce them to those ideas, yeah, there's a line in the Communist Manifesto. Marx and Engels wrote, the entire communist theory may be summed up in a single sentence, abolition of private property, abolition of private property. Right. Anybody reading that with any common sense knows what a horrifically stupid mm-hmm. and dangerous and destructive and deadly idea, let alone endeavor, <laughs> that right. that would be. You're going to have to kill 100 million people 
if you want to abolish everybody's private property, all right? Uh, you know, thou shalt not steal, one of the Ten Commandments, right? It's a, it's mm-hmm. an implied understanding of the right to property. Cavemen understood the right to property. It's the Judeo-Christian idea. Five-year-olds understand the right to property. So Marx and Engels, with these super radical, revolutionary ideas, not just about philosophy and economics, but about anthropology, our very understanding of human nature. If, if we could just, and this is kind of a long answer to your question. No, please. If we as parents, yeah, parents, um, people in media, talk show hosts, right? If we could just help communicate to young people what these ideas really are, you know, I think, to borrow from Reagan's kind of common sense assessment of Americans, mm-hmm. most people with common sense, nine out of ten times, are going to easily reject it. But, but, but we have to do that. Because um, oftentimes, you know, the universities and our educational institutions are failing to do it. Is this a uh, taking it from the from the the education front, but and also taking it from the supernatural front, but on the straight the straight old uh, uh, politics, the hard knuckle brass knuckle politicking that goes on in the country? You see a wide open border. Uh, we we see uh, uh, unconscionable violence in our streets. Uh, we see a complete disregard for uh, for, for basic norms, uh, morality, all of that, and yet, and yet, it's the Supreme Court that is castigated as the most dangerous institution in the country because they struck down Roe and went with the Dobbs decision. I mean, th- this to me feels like everything is backwards. Is abortion really the uh, the, the top line? Uh, uh, litmus test issue in this, uh, the, the, the death, the killing of, of innocent life. Is that really the standard that we're going to carry into battle in, in this country uh, relative to all of the crisis that we're experiencing in, in almost every part of our life? Yeah, it should be. You know, Ronald Reagan said, and, uh, and Pope John Paul II as well, those two were very close. As you know, I've written about both of them. And they both said, Brett, something almost identical. I could line the two quotes up to you. They're almost verbatim the same, that the right to life is the first and most fundamental of all freedom, right? You know, that, that's the mm-hmm. first freedom. That's the most basic freedom. Yep. Without the right to life, as Reagan said, no other rights have meaning. You've you, you got to have a right to life before you can even go on to have a freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom mm-hmm. of assembly, uh, right to private property and everything else. So it all starts with the right to life. And to think that people on the Supreme Court would be vilified as they are for defending the right to life of, of, of all things. I mean, I, I've heard over the last since the Dobbs decision, yep. and I was talking to my daughter about this because she's she's a major pro-lifer. We have heard more violent threats and nasty, violent language from pro-choicers. And we're seeing it. They're, they're you know, they're attacking Sure. Um, crisis pregnancy centers and so forth. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of like Muslim terrorists, right? Uh, right. <laughs> they say, how dare you insult Islam and say that it's not a religion of peace? I'll kill you, right? right, right. And, and, you, and here, here you have these pro-choicers, right? How dare you say that we're against life? I, I'll, 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 yeah, I'll <laughs> blow up your clinic, right? right, it, it, right. It's, it, 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 it's kind of the same thing, and they don't even realize it. They don't even realize that they're indeed embodying and showing that their pro-choice position has made them anti-life, and not just anti-life in in the womb, right? But with the way that they threaten people already born. 
Uh, Ronald Reagan once said, well, I've noticed that everybody in favor of abortion has already been born. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I'm sure pro-choice are saying, oh, boy, how stupid Reagan was to say that. Right. Of course, we've already been born. But there's a profound, a profound insight in there. They are selfish. They've been given the right to life. Right. And they want to deny other people the right to life. And that really speaks a lot about who they are and, and, and their philosophy. And here again, I think the best that we can do is try to teach this stuff to them yep. because they're certainly not learning pro-life apologetics at, uh, you know, secular you, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the nearest city near you. Part, part of this debate, and, and you're very generous with your time, Paul Kanger joining us here. Uh, part, part of this debate is also obviously predicated on the economics uh, of, 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 of what is being put forward, right? Uh, people want to make money. They want to provide for their families. They want to do all that sort of stuff. On the counter side, you've got uh, socialists who, who still believe in the stuff that, that Marx was talking about to, to, to whatever extent that they, that they do, but they, they are still believers in the collective, the collectivization, uh, those sorts of things. Um, this is a real challenge that we're dealing with here. Uh, and, and, and yet, uh, it's an, it's a battle almost as old as Marx. Uh, you, uh, Pope Leo the 13th warned about, uh, uh, about the, the, the dangers and the threats of socialism and communism. Pope Pius the 10th and the, uh, the, the 11th both warned about it, or the 11th and the 12th both warned about that. Uh, at, at what point do we understand that this is, this is a battle, both spiritual and, 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 uh, here on the earth? Uh, because this is, this is really quite, the, the battle for our soul, for our nation, for our future. Uh, and, and if you've got zealots and fanatics on one side that don't want to hear uh, common sense, logic, analysis, what have you, but just want to deploy the, the mob, well, what's, the, what's the pathway forward, Paul? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and you know, speaking to this audience from the South, I mean, I'll, I'll ask people listening, you know, how many times have you heard a pastor or somebody on the religious say, Someone on the religious left say, "Well, well, you know, the New Testament calls for socialism. Right. You know, the the first disciples, you know, the apostles were socialists because they talked about sharing, right? You you, you hear this stuff all the time. Well, you, you know, just just because the Bible exhorts us to be charitable and share of our wealth, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, that that doesn't you know that doesn't that doesn't equate to a call for a communist atheistic state that but by the coercion of the state." You know, forces people by you know by 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 the threat of, by the threat of the gun by the threat of imprisonment you know, to you know, to make everybody pay the same or to make all tax rates equal or, or anything else. I, I mean, what Jesus wants us to do is give of our wealth voluntarily, right? In in the in the name of Christ as as part of our religious faith. Our faith, unlike the you know the Marxist faith, doesn't seek to purge religion. You know, uh, our faith. You know, nowhere in the New Testament does it say, as it says in, in the Communist Manifesto, quote, abolition of the family, exclamation right. mark. Even the most radical flare up at this infamous idea of the communist, unquote. You know, 1848, Communist Manifesto, Marx and Engels. So it, yeah, the, it, people just have it, they, they have it completely wrong. So again, the best that I think we can do, Brett, is try mm-hmm. to explain these truths to people and, uh, and teach them what they're clearly not learning. A fantastic work that you do uh, out there. Uh, Paul Kangor, uh, so many great books that you've written, 
and you're such a uh, you're such a smart wellspring of of uh, of knowledge on all of this stuff. And I am so thankful that you would uh, come by today. Where do people go to get more information on what it is that you're working on at any given point? Well, thanks, Brad. You're too kind. But uh, the name is Paul Kengor, and you can find my books at Amazon.com. And um, I run the Institute for Faith and Freedom at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. And also, I have a weekly column for the American Spectator. So if you just Google the American Spectator, and you'll see me there in the author archive with all my articles. And sign up to receive my articles for free there. Fantastic. So, thank you. Fantastic. You'll get smarter reading him, I promise you, folks, and you're going to feel better uh, because, because he's got such <laughs> tremendous arguments. I appreciate you being here, Paul. Thank you so much for coming on the show. All right, Brett. God bless. Right. Thanks. Always a joy to have Paul Kangor on the program to uh, get us smarter about the battle in front of us. And that's a hugely important lesson that we need to take uh, no matter what. Uh, it's incredible. This, uh, this program seems to be getting longer and longer, these podcasts, uh, but there's just so much good content out there. And I think smart stuff that we can talk about. It's a, it's a true joy to, uh, to share this with you and to do the podcast that we're doing here at devious motives. If you uh, like it, give us a good positive review. Uh, send us an email anytime. Brett at Brett Brett at Brett And, uh, it is always good to be with you. I am Brett Witterbull. It is Devious Motives Season 3.